Yes, hi, good morning, everyone. Welcome along to Tradies News in a nutshell for your Wednesday morning, the middle of the week, the 4th of October already, 2023. Daniel Pedigree with you for the middle of uh, the week, broadcasting as always through SEN 1170 AM in Sydney, SENQ 693 AM in Brisbane, and SEN 1620 AM on the Gold Coast. 1300 01 1170, our open line number. You can text 0457 7367. That's all before breakfast with Vossi and Brandy in uh, Sydney or New South Wales. Queensland listeners, you'll get the first hour as well of Vossi and Brandy before Patton Heels come along in a couple of hours at 6am for you. A lot to get through today. Of course, the Australian team was named. A couple of other international teams are named for the Rugby League Internationals kicking off in about 10 days' time. A bit of cricket news around as well. Only a day before the Cricket World Cup underway. Uh, We'll get your thoughts on a couple of big issues as well. Uh, from the past 24 hours. And Maddie Cox, host of Tradies News in Melbourne, will join me in about 15 minutes' time to talk all things last weekend. But we'll also have a bit of a look ahead to what we're looking forward to in the summer of sport as we tick over after the football season, after the NRL and AFL seasons. I know there is more uh, rugby league to come. And then into the summer of sports. So we'll have a chat to Maddie about that as well. But most importantly, as always on this Wednesday morning, want to hear from you. one 70 our open line number. Or you can text 0457 736 736. The Hot Topic. Thanks to Rheem. Built tough for Aussie conditions. When it comes to water heating, ask your plumber to install a Rheem. Yes, except nothing less than Australia's best and install a Rheem. Australia's favourite hot water. Two past five, two past four in Queensland. Before we get to some of the issues of the day, including the Australian team, Angus Crichton seems his deal with Rugby Australia is at jeopardy. I see Buzz Rothfield in today's Daily Telegraph has ranked his top 50 NRL players. Now, we're not going to go through the top 50, but I'll give you the top five. And I want to know if you agree with all of these or you would maybe put someone in that he hasn't named. So he's got Nathan Cleary at number one. Very hard to argue that after what we saw on Sunday night, and there is some news floating around about Nathan Cleary that we'll get to in a second. Caitlin Ponger at number two, the second best player in the NRL, according to Buzz Rothfield. Reese Walsh at number three, Broncos fullback. Stephen Crichton at number four, and Sean Johnson at number five. So Cleary, Ponger, Walsh, Crichton, Sean Johnson. That's Buzz's top five and his top 50. Do you agree with that? Is there... Someone that he hasn't named in that top five that you think could be there. Give me your top five players in the NRL right now. After another wonderful season, rugby league came to an end. Who is your top five players in rugby league as we end season 2023 before the internationals? Your top five players, one 1170 or 0457 736 736. Give me your top five players in the NRL. As I say, we're going to talk to Matty Cox shortly we're in this weird period now. We've got Bathurst, of course, coming up this weekend. We've got the Cricket World Cup getting underway tomorrow night. Australia in action on Sunday. So there's still stuff around, of course, EPL. Um, and we're hoping to talk to John Gallo. He had a few technical issues yesterday, it's fair to say. But we'll hope to speak to him and continue our chat a little later on in the show. Um, so we've still got sport on, and still quite a lot of sport on, this coming weekend. Uh, the Sheffield Shield got underway yesterday as well. Uh, there's more matches today. But... Have a look ahead to the summer of sport. We've got now five months without NRL, without AFL proper. We'll have trial matches in four months, and we've got internationals, which is, of course, proper, but not NRL, not AFL. 
What are you most looking forward to in the summer of sport? What are you most excited for in the summer of sport? Is it cricket? Is it the World Cup cricket? Is it maybe the domestic cricket season when it gets underway with the tests and the one days? Is it the A-League maybe finished off in a cracking way last year? The NBL, Sydney Kings looking to win it yet again. Is that at the top of your list? Is it something else? What are you most looking forward to? Uh, Now the footy seasons are done and dusted. What are you most looking forward to in the summer of sport? 0457 736 736 or 1300 0111 70. And give me, after another wonderful season of rugby league, your top five rugby league players. All right, five past five, five past four in Queensland. Let's get to the news of the day. And we'll start with Angus Crichton. And there was a bit of talk around about this yesterday, but now today it is on the back page of the Daily Telegraph. His talks with Rugby Australia have dramatically collapsed, but his switch to Rugby Union may not be dead in the water as his manager prepares to kick off direct talks with the Western Force. Now, Crichton, as it was reported last week, was widely expected to take up a two-year deal with the Force with the support of Rugby Australia, who had spruiked his signing as part of an assault on the NRL and some of their biggest names. However, the deal collapsed on Sunday night when Rugby Australia withdrew their offer, casting a fresh spotlight on their negotiating tactics and the ability to reinvigorate the code under the leadership of Hamish McLennan. Uh, McLennan, we know, uh, has spoken a lot about reigning rugby league in recent months. It's understood that Kreiner's camp was set to walk away from negotiations after being frustrated with the manner of Rugby Australia's contract discussions and constant media leaks. Sources close to Crichton suggested that when Rugby Australia became aware of their frustrations, they withdrew their offer to save face. At the moment, Angus Crichton is currently overseas. Um, So interesting to see what happens. His manager said it's disappointing, but perhaps not surprising that we walked away. I'd suggest it's a missed opportunity for rugby at this time particularly. Angus is an experienced athlete with strong rugby pedigree that has performed at the highest level. It's interesting to see what has happened, what is going to happen. The Roosters had granted, uh, granted Crichton permission to explore his options, given he had another year remaining on his deal at the club. Rugby Australia's talks with Crichton's camp started more than two months ago. Still could be saved. They are looking uh, to do a direct deal with the Western Force. Um, or maybe there had been talk earlier about spending a year in Perth and then the second year at the Waratahs. Interesting to see, I know... They are offering $1.6 million. Now, Angus Crichton has been a very good player um, in his NRL career for South Sydney and for the Roosters. But this year, it has to say, it has to be said he was poor. Um, and that's not having a go at him. He, a lot of other things going on uh, in his life. And it'd be great to see him turn it around, whether it be in rugby league or uh, rugby union. But $1.6 million, I thought, was way too much. So interesting to see where this thing lands with Angus Crichton. Roosters fans, would you be disappointed to see Angus Crichton leave? Rugby fans, would be happy to see him there in some way, shape or form. 0457 736 736 or 1300 Now, the Australian team was named yesterday for the uh, internationals that are kicking off next weekend. But uh, Nathan Cleary is in doubt for Australia's end of season tour after a hip drop tackle by would-be Kangaroos teammate Payne Haas. Um, we know it was revealed yesterday that he played 70 minutes of the grand final with a knee injury. He'll be sent for scans this week to determine his place in the Australian side. But Kangaroos officials believe Cleary is in severe doubt. Daly Cherry Evans is in the squad with Cam Munster and also Ben Hunt. If he does drop out, it could open the door for Caelan Ponga 
uh, to be brought into the extended squad after being a surprise exclusion in the 21-man squad. Uh, meanwhile, Penrith star Dylan Edwards has again been overlooked. North Queensland centre Valentine Holmes and Canterbury ringer, winger Josh Adokar have been picked despite both being subject of separate incidents investigated by the NRL. So the squad, as it stands at the moment, Josh Adokar, Pat Carrigan, Daly Cherry Evans, Nathan Cleary in doubt, Selwyn Cobbo, Lindsay Collins, Ruben Cotter, Tino, uh, Tom Flegler, Harry Grant, Payne Haas, Valentine Holmes, Ben Hunt, Liam Martin, Cam Munster, Cam Murray, Tony Staggs, The Hammer, James Tedesco, um, and also in the squad is Jake Trevojevic and Isaiah Yo. Um, what did you think of the Australian squad? Were you slightly surprised there was no Ponga? Surprised there was no Dylan Edwards? Is there someone that they, left, that they missed out other than those two? It's hard to fit every good player in there. What did you make of the Australian squad? Is there any changes you would have made to that squad that was named yesterday by Mel Meninga? 0457 736 736 or 1300 0111 70. But from reading between the lines, it seems like Nathan Cleary could be in uh, quite a bit of doubt. Your thoughts on the Australian squad, your top five players currently in, in the NRL, and what are you most looking forward to in the summer of sport? Lots to look forward to. Cricket World Cup getting underway tomorrow, and tomorrow morning on the show, we'll have a chat with Paul Dennett, our cricket expert, as we wait for the World Cup to get underway. So, plenty of things on our agenda on this Wednesday morning. 1300 01 11 70 0457 736 736 to your text calls, and we'll have a chat with Matty Cox in Melbourne on the other side of this. It's 10 past five in New South Wales, 10 past four in Queensland. Wednesday morning, Tradies News in a nutshell. Nice to have your company to Maddie Cox in Melbourne in just a second. Don't forget, we are here for Red Smoke Alarms. Think redsmokealarms.com.au and also Amer Safety, your Australian-owned workwear and PPE provider. We'll get to your text after we speak to Maddie. Thoughts on the Australian squad? Anyone you thought missed out that should have been there? 0457 736 736. What are you mostly looking forward to in the summer of sport as well? Um, and your top five NRL players as we cross down to Melbourne and have a speak to Matty Cox. Now on SEN, on SEN it's, it's time, time to, to trade, trade towns. towns. A very good morning to you, Dan Pettigrew. Hello, Matty. How are we? Very well, very well. Coming off a, a high of what mm. the weekend was for both of our codes. It was. Do you reckon that is one of, before we get to the actual games, one of the best weekends for sport we've seen in a very, very long time? Only two games of uh, footy, men's footy played, but what an epic two games they were. It was. Is it the best weekend? I'm not going to go that far. No. I think it was probably the best weekend to feature the football co codes, mm. considering the status of each of the games for the both of our perspectives, but was it the best weekend in sport? Geez, there's been a few of them, yeah. even in the last 12 months, that could fall into that category. Yeah, you, well, yeah, and you look at only a couple of months ago, the Matildas as well. So, yeah, now, f fantastic year of sport, fantastic year of football, both AFL and NRL wrapped up. Let, look, let's start with the AFL. Let's go in order. I was watching the game, Matty, uh, with the guy, big Swans fan, actually, and he was uh, cheering on the Lions. But we're watching it um, in a pub in Sydney, and a lot of people, there are a few Collingwood fans there, but all the neutrals were going for the Brisbane Lions. But what a great match of footy. I know a couple of uh, AFL experts have called it the greatest grand final ever. I'm not sure if you agree with that, but, gee, it was entertaining. 
Certainly the best game that I've witnessed live, I think, from what I can remember in the 30-odd years that I've been on the planet for footy, it was an extraordinary atmosphere. 100,024 at the MCG, which is the capacity of the stadium, watched on. It was a, it was a warm day. Mm. I think it hit around 29 degrees as the maximum that we got to. The, the wind was a bit swirly, but beyond that, it was a superb day and a, a fitting grand final. Two of the top teams of the competition, Collingwood, as we've spoken about multiple times throughout the course of the last 12 months, they've been the side to beat and they've been, well, they've got an ability to get the job done when results or when things are looking close. Mm. And that came to the fore again on the weekend. Brisbane, as hard as they work to stay in the contest, and to give them credit, no team really had a strong level of momentum for an extended period in the mm. match. It would come in waves. It would to and fro. It was a great contest, and that's probably why so many people are saying it's one of the best games of footy that we've ever seen because of the momentum shifts that were almost instantaneous. The the goals that were kicked. I mean, Zach Bailey kicked a couple of rippers. Jack Crisp from almost beyond 50. Lincoln McCarthy kicked one from the pocket and it was a drop punt. Mm. We haven't seen some of those sort of skills for a long, long time and to be executed the way they were. And for the Lions to fall four points short, it would have been absolute heartbreak, but it was absolute mm. joy for Collingwood. And then to see some of the emotion on the ground post-game, particularly with Darcy Moore and his father, Peter, who presented the Premiership Cup to both he and Craig McRae. Um, it was was an extraordinary day and one that I'll certainly remember witnessing live for a very, very long time. And I think you're right as well, Matty, is that I think, obviously, the grand final and the pure AFL fans would have watched it no matter what, but I think that probably is one of the things that kept the casual viewer hooked in because it was end-to-end. -end, the scoreline kept changing right till the very end. It was really exciting. It was. It was. It went right down to the final few moments of the encounter. There was a controversial decision very late in the game, which I'm kind of reluctant to even mention, mm. considering the divide that it caused. But the, the noise... Was, I'm, I'm not sure I can do it justice, Dan, to mm. describe just how, how incredible the atmosphere was. I, I don't... The only thing that I can think that comes close to it as an experience at the MCG was when Liverpool played there mm. many, many years ago now, early last decade, I think it might have mm. been. And when everyone sung You'll Never Walk Alone, for yeah. me, that that was one of the best moments I've been in part, a part of at the MCG. On the weekend, it nearly rivaled it. The noise was there. The, the entertainment that was provided from the mm. game that itself mm. it's just and then and then the, the the way that the crowd behaved like the, the Collingwood army that was there and then Brisbane also had quite a fair bit of support be it old Fitzroy fans that had gathered as well considering the link between the two clubs so there, there was quite grand finals for us can usually be quite not vanilla but there's a lot more um, what's the best way of describing it? There's, there's, 
There's a lot more neutrals in the crowd. Mm. It didn't seem to be the case on the weekend. It seemed very parochial either side. Mm, yeah, it looked like a fantastic day. Uh, it was a beautiful day there as well. 30 degrees, as you mentioned. Great grand final. Congratulations to Collingwood. Disappointing for the Lions and Matty. Uh, Queensland uh, had a long looking was looking forward on Friday to the weekend. Didn't quite work out for them though, unfortunately. No, but it nearly did. Mm. And I, maybe this is a story that I don't know whether it's been overlooked in your neck of the woods or not, or how deeply it's been explored. But mm. how close were the Broncos to achieving the ultimate success in your eyes? And have they? Have they let an opportunity go, or is it purely because Penrith are the greatest team that we've ever seen? Well, just before I get to that, on that, the atmosphere, you mentioned you are actually at the MCG. I was just watching uh, the grand final on Sunday on TV at home. I didn't uh, opt to go out there. But the atmosphere that came through, even came through the TV, was quite amazing. And even Brandy Greg Alexander on our breakfast show, who has a very big connection to Penrith on the board, said yesterday he actually thought there were more Broncos fans there than Panthers fans on Sunday night. And Brad Fittler, um, who was on the sideline for Channel 9, said that he's only really heard it louder at that stadium when Kathy Freeman uh, won the gold in 2000 and maybe Sam Kerr's goal uh, a couple of months ago. Other than that, the atmosphere, great. So it's great that both grand finals had that. It was another great grand final, Matty. I've been thinking about it over the past few days because when you watch it on Sunday night and come to work after four or five hours sleep on a public holiday, I must say, Matty, um, and... Jesus, I feel sorry for you. My heart bleeds. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Given how much time you've had off during the rest uh, of the year. But anyway, move on. Uh, Yeah, so you always think, well, the adrenaline of it wasn't the greatest grand final ever, but... Gee, it's up there. It would definitely be in my top three, probably in my top two from grand finals I have seen. And it was a remarkable game. Uh, Brisbane did so well to hang on in the first half, Maddie. They didn't help themselves, I don't think, with some errors that they made. But their defence, it just hung in and hung in and hung in. And then they got that try just before half time. And then that 20 minutes uh, from the start of the second half to the midpoint of the second half, where they got to a 24-point to eight lead, was just scintillating. And you thought then that the game was probably over. I had a couple of mates message me saying, that's it for Penrith, all done. I did reply to them and I said, I, I wouldn't rule them out because they are such a champion team. But they were, uh, they. it was quite remarkable what happened. And in particular, on the back of Nathan Cleary playing the best 20 minutes, no doubt, of his life and probably the best 20 minutes of a grand final by a halfback Maybe you'll ever see, definitely, that you've seen in many, many years. Got Penrith home. Um, you feel for Brisbane, um, and hopefully that doesn't hurt them too much for years to come, and they'll want to bounce back. But it was just amazing by Penrith, and they make history. First team to do the three-peat in the NRL era, in the salary cap era, and really now, uh, there was a lot of talk about this heading into last week. Are Penrith the greatest team of all time? Well, look, the Dragons did win 11 in a row uh, many, many years ago. But that was in a very different era. Uh, Penrith, at least in the NRL era, they're the best team. What separates them, Dan? Can you can you identify something that elevates them into being this this all conquering side that's been so dominant over not just the last three years, but they've won the premiership, but. Mm. It extends further than that. Yeah, it's interesting. Brandy was saying on the breakfast show yesterday through SCN 1170 AM, and it was a good point that even when they were down 24 points to eight, 
they didn't go away from the way they've been playing basically every other match over the past three or four years. Um, and that obviously helped them get over the line. But, yeah, it's hard to put your finger on it. Obviously, the hard work that the coaching staff, the playing staff put in, and they must, well, they obviously do have all faith in each other to be able to get the job done no matter what. They're also a very, very entertaining team uh, to watch. They know how to attack their defence generally. It is very, very good of the highest standard. And whilst they are losing a couple of players over the off-season, you still think they're going to be there or thereabouts next year. I suppose the question mark now for the Panthers, but you probably could have said this last year after they'd won one, uh, this year after they'd won two, is... How long can they stay at that level without falling down a little bit? Because you do see it. Every great team, whether they just win a premiership or two premierships, now three, do fall at some point. But, gee, it's hard to see Penrith going that far downhill that they won't be there at the business end of the season next year. I know that's a long way away, but they're such a good club. Um, and I think if they can keep the core of their players for the next four or five years. Look, Nathan Cleary, Matty, is only 25 years of age. So if he stays injury-free, yeah, he could have another five, six, seven years. Now, I doubt they'll win it for the next five, six, seven years, but there's nothing to say they won't be there or thereabouts over the next four or five years. It's just a remarkable story, and if you're a Penrith fan, uh, you must be absolutely loving it at the moment. And the other element, you probably struggled to identify a team that could probably knock them off at the moment as well. Brisbane obviously got close, but couldn't remain consistent enough to get the job done. No, well, Andrew Voss has already locked in another Penrith-Brisbane grand final for next year. I won't go that far, but those two teams were definitely heads and shoulders above those other teams this year. Now, will another team rise that you didn't expect? Look, the Warriors have got a couple different players coming in to help them again uh, this coming season, next year. So that will help them. You'd expect a team probably like uh, the Roosters and maybe the Rabbitohs to be more competitive this year than they were last year. So look, things do change, or next year than they were this year, you know what I mean? So things do change, but yeah, it's, it's hard to see those two teams not being there or thereabouts again next year. But, you know, things change very quickly in sport. Um, and I think all eyes again will be on the Broncos. They were fantastic to watch this year. We just have to see how they bounce back next year after what would have been a heartbreaking loss on Sunday night. And only adds to the story for both Brisbane sides, considering mm. the, the down years that they've had and the resurgence that they've had in the last couple of years, particularly over the last 12 months for both the Broncos and the Lions, I think I agree with you how they respond. will certainly be curious heading into 2024. Now, while all the glitz and glamour of the grand finals is we're, we're so enthralled and engaged with it, just floating under the radar, because we like to check in on the Wallabies World Cup campaign mm. when we catch up on a Wednesday, somehow, somehow they've manufactured a little glimmer of hope of getting through to the quarterfinals. It's... It's very slim. Mm. There's, there, it just doesn't seem possible considering how bad they've been going. No, they got the win on Monday morning, which was sort of overshadowed, uh, overshadowed at least here in uh, New South Wales with the NRL Grand Final uh, recap. So they got the win. They got the bonus point that they needed. And now they've got to rely on, I think it's Portugal beating Fiji by seven or eight points or something along those lines. It's a bit uh, all confusing with the bonus points. I, I highly doubt Portugal are going to beat Fiji. I think Fiji probably do win, but you never know. Sport is a funny thing. So there is still the slightest chance for the Wallabies. It was interesting, Maddie. I don't know if you caught this. Eddie Jones asked 
uh, a question, one of the one of many questions he was asked in the press conference about uh, his focus. And he said he's focused on the next three or six days, um, but he wouldn't comment on anything post that. So the room is still swirling about what happens with Eddie Jones when the Wallabies do leave this World Cup. Keep in mind, he is contracted to the Wallabies until the end of 2027. So that story not helping. Uh, it would be remarkable if the Wallabies made the quarterfinals. I doubt that will happen, but I suppose where there is life, there is hope. Surely, surely it's one of the biggest embarrassments of Australian sport to have essentially kicked out those that were building towards the World Cup campaign at the start of the year. Insert Eddie Jones into the mix and hope that he was going to be able to provide some sort of shining light. It's backfired immensely. Uh, yes, it has totally, utterly backfired, to be honest with you, Matty. Uh, look, Eddie had a hard task coming in, to be honest, but I don't think... But, he... should, he, but should he have even been there, Dan? Like, well, if... You, if... I know they pulled the lever to try and re-energise and, and gain a bit of public momentum and, and and spark a bit of interest in it, but if if that was the rationale for bringing him in mm. and, and kicking out those that were already there trying to build the foundation, that just it's a it's a huge misstep. Like I don't feel as if he should have even been inserted. Yes, he was on the market as one of the more experienced coaches out there, but I don't understand how they could have just kicked out those that were already involved heading towards the campaign. Yeah, and I do understand that point of view. It was interesting, and I think I said it to you last week, Maddie, that out of everything that's happened to Rugby Union this year, he's probably the, his return is probably the biggest storyline, which, look, and he had success with the Wallabies 20 years ago. We know that. He's had success overseas as well, but... Yeah, I, I just don't know. There's obviously, look, there's obviously a lot of issues. It's not just Eddie Jones related with that Wallabies team at the moment. But honestly, whether Eddie Jones stays, whether Eddie Jones goes, I don't really know where Rugby Union goes to from here, and in particular, the Wallabies, because it, it, we're talking about them at the moment because they're struggling in the World Cup. Eddie Jones is in the news, but... They've been, it's been fairly quiet, Read the Wallabies, over many years now. Yes, there's a bit of talk and there's still big crowds when they play the Bledisloe Cup. But other than that, it gets really forgotten, especially compared to the AFL and the NRL. So, yeah, a, a tough questions has to be asked, have to be asked of Eddie Jones. And I think tough decisions are going to have to be made by Rugby Australia to get the Wallabies back on track and to get Rugby Union back on track in this country before we host a World Cup in four years' time. Yeah, that's, a, that's the other consideration mm. that has to be factored in to all the equation. The fact that, yeah, it's not too far into the future that we're supposed to be hosting a an event and we're supposed to all get invested and energised into it yeah. again. I, and considering the way things are, that's a very bleak picture at the minute anyway. Uh, certainly is. Now, something that's uh, not so far away, although it seems still a little while away, but it'll come around quite quickly, is the Australian Open and... I found this story very interesting, Matty, came out yesterday, that the Australian Open next year, uh, the one coming up, is going to start on a Sunday instead of a Monday. So now a 15-day tournament, and that's to try and eliminate the amount of late-night finishes they have. What did you make of this? Because I don't know, I understand the idea, I just don't know how much impact an extra day will have once we get to the second week and playing late-night matches. What did you make of this story? Well, so from what I can gather and the information that was in this story is that they're reducing the games that are played during the day yeah. session. So it's going to go from three down to two, two. Mm. which they're suggesting may 
assist in preventing your late night finishes. I'm not entirely sure because if, there's still two matches to be scheduled of a night time. And they're and still both a, starting at 7.30 or 7 yes. o'clock. Yeah. So if you get a five-setter in the men's, yep. the, the, that's a long five-setter as well, not just a, a standard five-setter, one that goes for like five hours. Mm. Of course it's going to push into the early hours of the morning. I know they're very rare, but I understand this is about trying to mitigate that risk and removing one of those matches during the day, so I can understand that. And it also it's going to increase the se- the games or sessions that are on Rod Laver Arena and Margaret Court and John Gain from 47 to 52. So there's a slight change of direction. It'll be curious to see how it plays out. The first round to be played over the first three days, so that's how that's also going to fit into the logistics of things, but whether it prevents late nights, I'm not completely sold on that yeah. idea, but I don't I don't mind the attempt at, well, we may as well take a look and see how it works and see how it operates. I, I like that, and to commence it on the Sunday, I know that um, Mondays are always a big day for crowds to go storming through the gates at Melbourne Park. So it'll be curious to see whether or not it actually increases the the crowd, given that it's on a Sunday and not a weekday. Yeah, and look, I, I love the Australian Open. I, I see. I don't mind. I mean, it's a bit difficult in this job, but I used to before I had this lovely early start every morning. I used to love staying up watching those late night matches, but I understand the players don't like it. I yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I just. I don't know how much difference it is going to make. And then there were calls to start the matches, night matches at 6.30, but that's not going to happen because that won't uh, please the rights holders. So, yeah, it's it's a really interesting one. I don't know how much difference it will make, but I suppose why not uh, give it a try? And, Maddie, we're talking about the summer of sport. Is there something that you're really looking forward to over the next four or five months as the footy codes take a bit of a break? Well, I'm looking forward to something this weekend, Dan. What's happening? The Bathurst 1000, that oh. for me is one of my guilty pleasures. I'm happy to sit in front of the TV for mm. the six odd hours mm. and watch them go around Mount Panorama. So I'm very excited mm. about that. Our AFLW competition continues through until early December. And this year has seen the dominant sides rise again. But there's a couple of challenges in the mix in North Melbourne, Geelong, whether they can step up and, and play a role in maybe causing an upset amongst Adelaide, Melbourne and Brisbane will be curious for me to watch. And then the other one is is the Big Bash. Last year mm. we saw a, a resurgence of the BBL and, and people not flocking back to it, but there, was, there seemed to be more interest in it last summer than what there had been for quite a number of years. So I'm curious to see whether that continues to evolve, particularly given it's shrunk this year in terms of the number of games that will be played and the, the timing of the fixture. So that's what I'm keeping an eye on. I, I know the, the international summer, you know, we all love that, but it's not as enticing as it has been in uh, the years gone by. So that's that's in the fer- periphery for me. Yeah, and of course, uh, the Cricket World Cup beginning tomorrow night as well. We've got some rugby league internationals kicking off next weekend uh, through until uh, the first weekend of November. So the footy continues there, which we're looking forward to on the back of last year's Rugby League World Cup. And no doubt we'll talk more about that over the coming weeks. 
the story, the thing we were just talking about, Australian Open, can't wait for that. But yeah, I am also interested. I'm with you on the Big Bash. I think that'll be very interesting. I was away, as you would know, Maddie, for a large part of the uh, Big Bash season last year. But you were right. The resurgence was there. It is a shorter season. Um, I think it will continue, um, hopefully continue going back and being as popular as it was five or six years ago. Because when it was at the height, it was so entertaining to watch. So plenty to look forward to, Maddie, isn't there in the summer of sport? Yes, and just as I let you go, mm-hmm. because I've had a text reminding me, because we forgot to talk about it when we were discussing the grand finals, uh, the pre-match uh, entertainment. Yes. Who do who, who won? Was it was it Kiss or was it your Tina Turner um, musical remembrance? <laughs> which I actually thought. Mm. All I know we had a bit of banter with it last week, but I actually thought that was quite a fitting tribute. Now, whether or not. It should have been the main act to perform. I think it has caused some, um, not angst amongst NRL followers, considering what I've read over the last couple of days. But it was still, I think, quite a, a fitting tribute to something that occurred 30 years ago. Yeah, it was very interesting. Look, I must admit, I only saw bits and pieces of Kiss. Uh, I was on my way uh, to the destination that I was going to to watch the game. But look, I saw, saw a lot of it. I thought they were pretty good. Uh, for what they for what they are, um, Tina Turner the musical. Look, it it was good. I think well, simply the best was great. Um, I, I still think maybe they could have still had that. Um, got to sing this. Obviously, simply the best, and uh, what you get is what you see. And then maybe have another band there as well. Uh, but look, that I understand why they did it. I understand why they paid tribute to her. And from everyone that was at the game that you see on social media commenting about it, and people watching on TV, most people thought it was pretty good. So can't complain. It will be interesting to see though, because the NRL for the past couple of years really have gone local, and I know uh, there have been reasons for that over the past three or four years, but they haven't got a real big international staff for a little while. So we'll see what they do next year. But look, it was all right. It was is what it was and uh, it's done with now. But I would say, just very quickly on that, I would say I don't see an issue. Uh, Simply the Best is a great song connected to rugby league. I don't see an issue with Simply the Best being sung every year at the NRL Grand Final. Not the same person, obviously, but maybe make it a part of Grand Final Day each and every year because it's such a special song connected to rugby league. Did you buy any tickets? Uh, t- no, no, I didn't. I, I, I didn't. Just had to no, do a, no. a little check. Yeah. No, Thank you, Dan. No tickets to that. Thank you, Maddie. Speak next week. Enjoy your week. You too. Uh, Maddie Cox on uh, everything in sport. Did anyone else buy any tickets? 0457 736 736. We're going to take a break. On the other side of this, we'll speak to John Gallo very quickly. Get a quick uh, EPL wrap. We did that, by the way, for the Makita XGT, the experience, the professional choice for cordless convenience, unmatched performance, innovation and power without limits. It's 21 to 6, 21 to 5 in Queensland. We get to John Gallo. Interesting uh, text from James. He says, uh, the Kangaroo squad is based on reputation rather than form. Even as a Storm supporter, there is no way that Cam Munster should be there over Ezra Mam. Uh, Mum, uh, Munster has not had a single good game since Origin 2. Well, we saw what Ezra did uh, the other night uh, in the grand final. And look... Uh, I tend to agree, Rick Cam Munster. Look, he, he still played well compared to a lot of other players in the NRL, but he definitely didn't have the effect that a player... Well, and, and it's not just uh, Mam, it's Ezra Man. It's uh, probably a couple of other players in the halves that probably could have got there instead of Cam Munster. But, again, he's a very good player, Cam Munster. He looked like, to be honest, James, he looked like he was carrying an injury right throughout. Um, Ezra missed out, so he's another one. 
Uh, that could have been there. Scored three tries in the grand final. Nathan Cleary, if you're just joining us in severe doubt for that. Thank you for your text. Uh, James, keep them coming in. We'll get to more in a sec. 0457 736 736 or 1300 0111 70. Let's do this for the Makita XGT Experience Professional Cordless Power Without Limits. Now on Tradies News, it's time for the latest in football. Now, we tried to speak to John Gallo yesterday. We had a few <laughs> issues. Uh, so we thought we'd get a very quick hit, literally a four-minute hit of John Gallo this morning. Morning to you, John. Morning to you, Dan. Part two, mate. This is part two. This is another second grab at it. So, uh, yeah, hopefully it works out this time. I think it will. I think it will. I'm crossing my fingers. We will have a more of a chat on Friday and preview the next round of the EPL. There is actually a game going on at the moment as well between Luton Town, who got their first win over the weekend against Everton. They're playing Burnley, 16 minutes gone. It's nil all. But I wanted to ask you, uh, and it's still continuing now overnight, Tottenham got a win over Liverpool, as we know. So the Ange bus continues 2-1, which is uh, great to see for Tottenham. But the fallout from this game and the VAR decision continues. They've actually now overnight released audio, but they've basically said the decision will still not be overturned. What's the latest here? Yeah, so basically, uh, look, I mean, there's been a lot of controversy. They've replayed the, the, the still photo of uh, Luis Diaz running in on, on the uh, through ball that was given to him. And you can clearly see he was behind the, the last defender for Tottenham. So it's, a, it's an image that's been portrayed around the media and around the world in the last 24, 48 hours. And since then, uh, the VAR boss, after the game, credit to them, came out and, and did say, look, it was a mistake. It was based on human error. Uh, for whatever reason, it was not interpreted the way that the whole football stadium and the whole football world saw it on their television screens across the world. Um, and they admitted that mistake and informally said sorry for it. Um, obviously, Jurgen Klopp was asked about that uh, in the press conference afterwards, that you know, they've admitted their mistake. They have said sorry. It is down to human error. But as Jurgen Klopp rightly pointed out, these mistakes have uh, consistently been happening during the course, not just this season, but last season in particular. And if you look at Liverpool's time when they've finished just behind the, the title champions, Man City, in a few seasons by a point or two, it does become vital at the end of the season when you're calculating all the points up. Uh, it does have a, a weigh-in on uh, who ends up being the eventual champions or not. And Liverpool this season so far have been one of the contenders for the top spot uh, in the Premier League. So this is a huge blow for them in deciding the game in terms of not getting the three points. Um, it could have been a massive difference in the end because that would have made Liverpool go up 1-0 and potentially get on with the rest of the game from there. So it is a, a big blow for, for Liverpool. Um, they've obviously talked about potential technology. The, the, apparently the Premier League um, have been asked about introducing some more offside technology mm. uh, last season, uh, but they refused it. They knocked it back. They said, no, it wasn't warranted at the time. And so they've kind of uh, been chosen to eat their own words now, unfortunately, for the Premier League. So it'll be interesting to what comes out of this, but I don't think they'll be overturning the decision or any replays anytime soon. And when you equate it to maybe NRL, you only have to go back last year, not this season just gone, but last year. Look at that Tigers-Cowboys uh, game that finished in very controversial circumstances. It happens in every sport. Not saying it's fair, but it does happen in every sport. Now, we've got about two minutes. So just quickly, John, uh, that game happening. So Tottenham wins. Man City and clearly Liverpool lose. I know it's a long way to go. There's a long, long way to go. But gee, Tottenham have started the season very well with a bit of luck, it has to be said, in a couple of matches. Yeah, I think everyone's been very impressed with how quickly he's overturned things there, uh, Ange, and, and pretty much people are saying he's been doing it overnight. And I heard Martin Keown talk on uh, on English radio a couple of nights ago. Martin Keown, the former Arsenal defender and England defender as well, uh, won a few Premier Leagues with the Invincibles and Arsenal. 
Um, and, and he was referring to that this effect that Ange has had in Tottenham so in such a short period of time reminds him of Arsene Wenger when Arsene Wenger first came in to Arsenal Football Club at the time and turned around Arsenal's title-winning chances that particular season. So it's not to say that Tottenham will go on to win the season. As you said, mm. there's a long way to go. Injuries and suspensions can, can play its part. But um, I definitely think that he's come in, he's regalvanised his side, he's united this football side. And particularly given that Harry Kane, the main man, has left the Bayern Munich in the off-season, he's had to deal with all of that in a very short period of time. And I think he's handled it absolutely brilliantly. Obviously, the result against Man United, now the result against Liverpool, um, been very positive start for Ange. And they've been winning games where you looked at it last season, Tottenham would have dropped those, those games and lost those games. So he's been winning all across the board. And I think he's won over the fans, the English media. They all love him over there. So um, well done to Ange. It's been a terrific start. And uh, the Tottenham fans singing to Ange uh, the other day, I don't know if you caught that on social media, was fantastic. Uh, in one word, there's 20 minutes gone, Luton Town and Burnley. Who wins this one this morning? I'm going to go with Luton Town. I think mm. uh, Luton at home, I think they'll get this one. They need to get this win, really, because they've got Spurs on the weekend. Mm. So it's a quick turnaround for Luton. I think they'll be up for this one. Nil all at the moment after 20 minutes. John, great stuff. The phone line held for the last four or five minutes. We'll chat again. A longer chat on Friday and preview what will be a really interesting weekend after some really interesting results last weekend of the EPL. Looking forward to it already. We'll speak in 48 hours. Brilliant, mate. Talk to you then. Good stuff. John Gallo on the line talking all things football, and we'll chat with him again on Friday. We do that for the Makita XGT, the professional choice for cordless convenience, unmatched performance, innovation, and power without limits. We'll finish the show with some of your texts in just a second. Breakfast not too far away. It's 10 to 6 in New South Wales, 10 to 5 in Queensland. Don't forget Beaumont Tiles is giving away a trip for two to American Footy's biggest game worth over $70,000. Just shop in store at Beaumont's before November 12 and you're in with a chance. T's and C's apply. A couple of texts. This one from Wayne. He says, you can never rule out any club from challenging for the premiership. Look at where Brisbane and the Warriors were just a few years ago. There will be big improvers next year and the following years, I guarantee it. Wayne, look, I agree with you. Look, you mentioned those two teams. I don't think either or many people had either of those two teams where they were at the end of this season. The Warriors won game away from the grand final. The Broncos in the grand final. So, yep, you're 100% right. And Yobel Treatment on its top five NRL players, Nathan Cleary, Kalen Ponga, Cam Munster, Sean Johnson and Pat Carrigan. That from the Yeovil Treeman. Thank you for that. Sheffield, she uh, uh, Sheffield Shield season began yesterday um, and South Australia all out for 307. Tasmania one for 94. So Tasmania trails South Australia by 213 runs with nine wickets remaining. A lot more Sheffield Shield are getting underway today, including New South Wales playing at Queensland. The cricket season underway. We'll talk more cricket tomorrow with Paul Dennett as we await the Cricket World Cup. Chris Perkins also on the line from America as well. Thanks to your company. Breakfast coming up next with Vossi and Brandy. I'll see you tomorrow morning. Have a great Wednesday.